0: Welcome to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Paul Tordop. Today, I'm honored to have Joe and Martha Sunagata joining us. Joe's path took him from Wales, Alaska, to UAF, to the San Francisco Art Institute, and to be an unhonored elder artist. Martha's path is just as interesting, starting in Prince William Sound. They'll explore how nature and culture has shaped their art and lives. James Tempty, a protege of Joe and Martha's, will also join us. Stay tuned for Outdoor Explore. Welcome back to Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Paul Tordock, and I'm thrilled to have Joe Marthason Sonungatuk, James Dempsey, and Carly Towns Hassel with us today. Joe and Ma- Martha are the elder artists and residents at APU. James is an artist and the program manager at APU. Carly is Indigenous Engagement Coordinator also at APU. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. Great Good to, to be here. Um, Joe let's, and Martha, let's start with you. Uh, you've lived long, productive lives, and so we could probably go on for hours and hours about your lives, but tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, where you grew up, how art has been a big part of your life, your art background, And um, yeah, let's start with
1: that. My name is uh, Joe Sunangituk and um, I was born in Wales, Alaska. Um, And it's a village on the westernmost part of the Seward Peninsula. And I have um, maybe, um, I started out with five siblings. I was the last of the Tsunangatuk male members born to Willie and Helen Tsunangatuk. And um, when I was 10 years old, when we, um, they flew us to Nome, and that's um, where I I can say now that uh, from ten years old on, I grew up in um, Nome, Alaska.
0: And uh, Jill, what year were you born?
1: I was born in um, March twenty nine. 1940. So I am 81 years old
0: now. Impressive.
2: And Martha, uh, I was born in Cordova, Alaska. Uh, that's where my my dad uh, was from. John J. Hoover, Dr. John J. Hoover, uh, was born in. Cordova, and I was born there also, Uh, but like Joe, uh, my parents moved us away from Alaska when I was very young, and we moved to Edmonds, Washington, so I moved back to Alaska in 1974, and uh, I've been here ever since.
0: Great, thanks. Um, Joe and Martha, I want to talk a little bit about your younger years. And how like how I assume you're living a subsistence lifestyle, particularly you, Joe. Do you want to talk about that and what that was like and some of the changes that you've seen?
1: Um before that happened, um, my both sets of my parents were orphaned by the 1918 influenza epidemic. So they grew up Separate, separated from their families, and um, my mother Helen was already separated from her parents by that epidemic um, when she was just an infant. So I grew up without uh, knowing any real grand grandchild, uh, grandparents.
0: And that must've been a, a pretty big deal for you.
1: Um, it was, um, uh, difficult. And, uh, yet we managed, um, um, my parents managed to make names for themselves. My mother was a skin sower. And she was uh, for a little bit occupied as one of um, the skin sewers in a cooperative known then as the Noam Skin Sewers Association. And um, I graduated from the Nome High School in 1959. And my older siblings were sent down to Mount Edgecombe for their high school education. So, in a way, I I was kind of uh, estranged from even my older, uh, siblings
0: because yeah
1: I al- always was appointed as the classroom artist mm-hmm. if if you were wondering how I got started in the arts um, a lot of my um, grades grade school teachers, always asked me to draw uh, characters like Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and so on in, from the history books so that they could um, attach those um, items up on their classrooms so that other people could see uh, what uh, they wanted me to draw.
0: So you must have been pretty good even as a little, little, little kid.
1: Yes. Um, I, I am aware of that. And one of my uncles, um, was, uh, an ivory carver. And he showed, uh, my, me and my brothers, um, about, um, the principles of carving ivory. Uh, when that became a saleable item, to bring to the uh, we brought our finished works to the village school, the village store, uh, in exchange for uh, small bits of money for. Us to buy candy and whatever else that our families might need.
0: And you and uh, Joe, I take it you did not go to Mount Edgeham then.
1: In a way, I was um, um, always included in the field trips to go out hunting on a skin boat with my. Father and his crew, and that way I was able to learn more about uh, outdoor subsistence uh, hunting and fishing.
0: And I, I now we'll get to how that influenced your art in, in a little bit, but even back then, were you thinking of drawing, were you drawing at, at, when you're out hunting or were you doing um, and looking at that from an artist's viewpoint, do
1: you think? I remembered what I saw up in Wales uh, better because it was actually a hunting and fishing subsistence uh, lifestyle, more so than in Nome. Uh, We were only able to go out hunting and fishing when my parents had their time off from regular work, like um, my father was a school janitor and my mother was uh, always self-employed as a skin sewer.
0: That's great, Joe. Uh, we'll come back to more of that. Martha, um, how about you? When you were younger, how, were you thinking arts? when you were living in Redmond?
2: In Edmonds. Uh, Edmonds,
0: yeah, sorry.
2: In Edmonds, Washington, um, I had the privilege and blessing that uh, both my mom and dad were artists. And so um, we could see the, the importance of um, my dad and mother working together to further his uh, his career as an artist, but his main occupation was as a commercial fisherman. So every year we went back to Alaska to go saining as a family per saining. So uh, our whole lives pretty much centered around salmon, and that that of course is uh, traditional to uh, my cultural background, which is uh, Unangas uh, on my father's side and Scotch-Irish on my mother's side. So we, uh, our lives pretty much centered around salmon. If we weren't fishing, we were, we were putting up fish or uh, smoking fish. That's one thing I'm very proud of. My grandmother and my Aunt Vi Pemberton taught me how to smoke fish so sometimes i tell people i have a phd in smoke fish so um yeah. that's that's something that even today we had fish we we had some beautiful fish and rice with uh onions and we still have the taste in our mouth that uh, nice. our, our lives are centered on salmon you know
0: yeah and that uh, Martha,
2: you were uh, uh, fishing in Prince William Sound? Yeah, we p- fished in Prince William Sound. Uh, my father fished on Copper River uh, on the flats as a gill knitter every year in the spring and fall. But as a family, we took off for uh, about a month, maybe you know a little bit longer. As a family, we just went out to Prince William Sound and never came back to town. And just delivered our fish and, and uh, lived out there in the beauty of of uh, Prince William Sound.
0: That sounds like a wonderful summer. Uh, this is uh, Paul Tordak. Uh, you're listening to the Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. We're talking with Joe and Martha Sinungatuk about their lives as artists and how uh, they uh, how nature has influenced them as a go along. Uh, Joe. Can you maybe tell us a story or two from your youth about your subsistence, your hunting um, activities?
1: In one of my early memories that I keep in my mind, I was a young uh, person who was just getting aware of things happening as a village uh, in Western uh, Seward Peninsula. And um, the things that they were catching it really impressed on my brain that um, the, a village of uh, any size, uh, especially whales. Back then, when I was five or six years old, um, it um, the hunters would go out to with their uh, boats to go out a uh, uh, subsistence style hunting and fishing. And when they came back, um, they would. Uh, to me, it looked like mountains of uh, animals and birds and uh, sea um, sea creatures. Um, they they used every which way to bring back to the village um, any of the catch that they had uh, from their hunt hunting parties and it uh, seemed to me i I was uh, just very young then it seemed to me that um, they shared everything there were rules on how the captain of the boat would share with the um, his crew and he would do it um, willingly and they would um, uh, pretty soon the mountains of uh, sea creatures and um, sea mammals and everything like that were reduced to smaller and smaller pieces as they were distributed around the village. And that's the nature of um, growing up in a village that you see the people sharing uh, uh, with their uh, catches. Um, And it was very important to them that they uh, were mindful of the uh, rules and regulations that they grew up with, in order to treat everybody fairly.
0: Do you want to add to that, Martha?
2: I, I, I moved to the village of Tatitlik in 1979, and. There wasn't even uh, a main generator there at that time. We all had uh, individual generators if you if you could afford it. But uh, one thing I noticed was uh, people put up food um, and, and they distribute food to make sure that nothing went to waste and that everything was either salted, smoked, uh, frozen if you had a freezer but the um sharing like joe said uh was the way that um, everyone uh, made sure that even the ones that were sick or elderly had everything that they needed to survive the winter and um, that that giving was reciprocal you know um, maybe the elder didn't have uh, have a, a, the ability to go out hunting anymore, but they would tell stories, or they would teach someone how to uh, sew skins, or um, you know, so that that um, that giving was went full circle back back to everyone in the community.
0: All right, thanks, Martha. We got cut off there for a few minutes, but we'll come back to that thought about the difference between a, a, a collective society and individual society. Let's see, uh, James. Uh, James is the project manager at APU. James and an artist in his own right. Um, James, you had a question for Joe.
3: Yeah, Joe. I was. Uh, I'm curious. You know, um, in the 1960s, you you were in the military. And then following that time, um, you decided to go to the San Francisco Art Institute. Um, So, what took you to the Art Institute and what did you study? And did your experience growing up in rural Alaska um, influence any of the work that you produced while you were there?
1: Um, When I was working with uh, the Indian and the Arts Board, at Sitka, uh, I was actually listed as a demonstrator in native art, Um, and what they were asking me to do was uh, they supplied uh, four artists, two from uh, the Klingit Uh, country, and two of us who were from Nome. Peter Sagana was the other Inupiat, and um, he and I grew to to like each other as friends um, as time went by, and our supervisor then was um, George Fedorov, who had uh, uh, the skill of teaching Native students at Mount Edgecombe, where he began to teach my older brother Ron uh, basics about um, working in a wood shop. And when he did that, He continued on with um, his knowledge about machinery and studio space, and um, um, he also supplied us um, in um, the um, the in in their partnership with the. National Park Service group of um, government workers, which owned that building, Um, he was able to, Mr. Fedorov was able to uh, convince them that in having a workshop filled with native artists, that they would show tourists um, coming to Sitka then as um, demonstrating uh, Native art production.
2: What led you to go to uh, the San Francisco Institute of Art?
1: When um, George Fedorov spoke to me back then, he asked um, if I would like to go to art college somewhere in wherever I chose to be. And then he would help me get um, the GI Bill of Rights um, funding for that. And also from Bureau of Indian Affairs funding to work uh, to help me become uh, a person of with a degree in fine arts. And that's how I ended up choosing San Francisco Art Institute because I didn't want to travel far, as far as um, my older brother did. He went through the a college in um, upstate New York in wherever it is um, to uh, learn about his degree in woodworking and doing fine art. Uh, I ended up at the West Coast because um, I, I looked at maps and I saw that San Francisco was one of the closest communities in the West Coast that could offer a degree for me and my studies in, in the arts.
0: That's, uh, that's great, Joe. I think we'll, we're going to take a little break. Um, this is Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Paul Tordak, and we're talking about art and, and indigenous artists. Uh, Joe Martha talk Tucker James Tempe. Uh, we'll be right back with more with uh, Joe Martha.
3: You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes Store or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org.
0: Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Paul Tordak, and we're talking with Joe Martha Snugatuck, and we also have James Tempe. Joe, you mentioned um, right before break about the GI benefits. So you were uh, a, you're a veteran. You want to explain a, yes. a little bit about that history?
1: I was uh, sent to South Korea for my tour of duty of a year um, at uh, Uh, a small um, headquarters battery of a a self-propelled artillery unit, Um, and I was trained in Fort Gordon, Georgia as a radio (coughs) operator, which is why I uh, had learned the Army way to type uh, using their teletype machines. Um, And while I was a student at San Francisco, I ran into a a Native American publishing house. um, And they employed me as a kind of like a a secretary of sorts because I was able to use their typewriters. Um, And when doing that, um, I was asked by them, by the native uh, publishers, to write a book for them, for their new startup company called uh, uh, the Indian Historian Press. And that was based on um, in their home. And their home was situated right, um, uh, just a couple blocks, blocks away from uh, Haight Ashbury, which was huh. in back then when I was an art student. Um, in the I graduated from there in. 71 so wow. with, with the hippies um, <laughs> with their actions going on how did, music.
0: how did that how did you adapt to that going from wales and the army to hit ashbury
1: i i noticed that uh the people of um san francisco were a friendly group of people. And their young people were from all walks of life from all around the the world. So I grew up uh, in uh, attending the San Francisco Art Institute with about 10 other Native American students who had finished their... um, they're schooling at, uh, primarily at, uh, where's that, uh, the Institute of, American, yeah. Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe. And most of my classmates who were Native uh, Americans were from uh, uh, the school that they attended down there. And then when we all got together in San Francisco, we would, uh, uh, some of their leaders decided that we would have a student art exhibit at uh, the Native Publishing House uh, that was situated right around, Eight aspirin.
0: How how did that go? How did that first showing go? Uh,
1: It went very well, and it was appreciated by the public. Um, And when I uh, published my first edition of uh, Give or Take a Century at that place. I was um, welcomed as uh, uh, a young, an upcoming writer from Alaska, from uh, Nome and Wales. And um, from that point on, everything just became history. (laughs) And I'm living as we speak
0: <laughs> you are
1: <laughs>
0: so that book was very influential um and do you want to talk about it a bit what it's about
1: uh, it's about um uh what i know personally as um a member of my family that uh, i knew quite well um it, and it's about uh the Drawing up periods of my early life in Wales that I remember, and I illustrated some of the uh, activities that were being done uh, with my family as subsistence-style um, people who grew to enjoy um, this. The way of life that they live.
0: That's very interesting that you started off as a writer. Um, and then, I guess, what influences do you think? I mean, we've talked about the influences of your your childhood a little bit on your art and your art, but you've had influence on um, artists also, because you, I think you, my impression is that you came from a Background of more traditional art, and you've really pushed some boundaries and done did new things. And you know, James, you can jump in if you uh, you know more about the arts than than I do. Yeah,
3: um, but, yeah. Um, Joe, uh, I think it was a, about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, you had a, a show at APU, and um, some of the artwork that you um, displayed there it, it had some controversial issues, I imagine, for the time um, that it was created, some um, maybe tying into oil and gas development, others tying into um, the doctrine of discovery. How did you and why did you choose to um, cover those topics in your artwork?
1: Um, Back then when I lived in San Francisco, I always tried to keep in touch with what was happening at, in, in my home state in, the, in Alaska. And by the time that I graduated from the Institute, from the Art Institute, um, I was quite homesick. And I wanted to um, comply with uh, the offers for work that I was getting from the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And they said uh, if you do come up, if you agree to come up to uh, back to Alaska, uh, we will provide you housing and uh, paycheck and and so on. If you agree to applying your knowledge of uh, about uh, native art in some capacity and um, I told them I was ready Uh, I'm ready right now today and um, when I said that to my supervisors at the publishing house they said um, no we will offer you a raise and um, uh, a new position in our new house. and then um, you can go on with living in San Francisco and working continue working here with us and I uh, what I told him was um, I was uh, and I was telling the truth and saying that i I was quite homesick I had spent four and a half years uh, in the Bay Area by then. And um, I really wanted to go back closer to my family in Nome.
0: And what about, um, so um, uh, James asked about some of the more controversial like, incorporating oil and gas in particular into your art. You wanna talk about why you did that?
1: Um, Some of those topics were first touched on by the Tundra Times, a native Inupiaq newspaper that was publishing from Fairbanks. Uh, And they maintained uh, publishing that Newsweek newspaper for another couple of years uh, until they had to fold up um when printing costs and everything else was going up. Um, by then I was established as an art teacher at uh, uh, UAF. Um, and um, they wanted me to st- stay around there, but I, I told him that I had a another offer at Sitka, uh, where I used to live uh, before I did all of that um, art school stuff in San Francisco, and um, so I was familiar with Sitka and its uh, way of life, um, and it appealed to me that I would be come back to Sitka as an art teacher. So I uh, accepted a job as an art teacher at Sheldon Jackson Jr. College, uh, which I had for another couple of years. And that's where um, Martha and I met. She was one of my art students back then.
0: Uh Aha. Let's talk about that then, Martha. Um, So this was, what year was this?
2: Uh, It was uh, in in the mid seventies. And uh, I was studying to be a hatchery technician uh, for the new San Juan hatchery in Prince William Sound. So I was there to um finish like an associate's degree in uh in hatchery uh hatchery work and Joe was my art teacher and uh I had just come from Santa Fe my dad was teaching at the the um AI AI down in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I learned how to do uh some, some fabrication jewelry from a wonderful teacher named uh Nancy Lopez or Nance Lopez and and so um Joe was helping me in my art class as far as um learning new skills in, in uh silver silversmithing and uh uh, unfortunately (laughs) he was always married (laughs) you know so it's a problem (laughs) we weren't boyfriend girlfriend we were just strictly teacher and student and uh but that's the first time i ever met joe and we've actually been friends ever since Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. um this is uh, Paul Twardock. We're on Outdoor Sport, Alaska Public Media. We're talking about indigenous art with Joe and Martha I Also, have uh, James Tempe and Carly Tiantz-Hassel with us. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, what you're doing now. Um, I take it, uh, Carly, maybe you can talk about this a bit about a documentary coming up, or what do we have going on that's um, gonna feature Joe and Martha?
2: Perhaps I'll just um, forward it on to James, but I um, first met Martha and Joe when I was a student here at APU. And I started with James's team um, through the community extension office in July as the indigenous engagement coordinator. Um, but you know, my own personal protocol and teachings, my own traditional teachings um, are to honor your elders. And I'm just here to support Martha and Joe um, with logistics for their, their documentary, which is for, um, or it was awarded through the National Endowment for the Arts. And um, yeah, maybe I'll hand it over to James to talk a little bit about the, uh, the documentary.
3: Yeah, thanks, Carly. Um, so um, yeah, APU, we were awarded a National Endowment for the Arts um, grant. And part of the grant is to support our Artist elder and residents program, um, which Joe and Martha are both a part of um a piece of it also um is creating a short film which is a documentary kind of reflecting on joe's uh work as an artist and life in alaska and so we're working with uh, local filmmaker michael conti um to put that together and he's been a real supporter of the programs here um as well and so Part of the grant, we're also going to be hosting uh, workshops by Indigenous artists um, in the upcoming year. We we've been um, postponing the workshops due to COVID, and so as soon as we can safely gather together and you know bring artists and interested folks together, we're going to um, really pursue you know picking those back up. Um, Another really great project that we got is with the Siri Foundation and Martha. Sanagatuk, she was selected to be one of the artists in that project. And so she's um, going to be having a show this spring at APU. Um, And Martha, just in seeing your artwork, a lot of it is very connected to nature and your traditions and almost a spiritual component. I know that you have participated in carving classes. Um, Can you talk a little bit about um, what influences your art and what you'll hopefully bring to this show uh, this spring?
2: Well, uh, thanks, James. You know, um, our our shows, even the show that Joe had, um, we collaborate on a lot of our artwork. And I'm happy to say that um, Joe's granddaughter um by sanangatuk violet sanangatuk who is also an artist in in uh, chicago area and she's she's going to collaborate with us so it'll be a combination of of um all of our work together and um in that way it it it's uh it's a healing process of uh healing anything that happens in between the generations uh, my my grandmother uh, Anna anna serkovakov grew up in unga but she was sent to um, um residential school in An alaska so her life was interrupted and i noticed so many things in my life are um are related to the trauma that she went through in that experience, and also Joe's mother and father were orphaned because of the epidemic and and so we see we see this intergenerational trauma and grief but we also um I'm getting goosebumps uh we we also see that through our communication our relationship with our not only our ancestors, but also our children and our grandchildren. We can, we can work together to heal those wounds and to um, ask the creator for help in processing all these things that we may not understand, <laughs> but somehow it can come out in our art and, and touch other people's lives. Uh, hopefully with that spirit of of uh reconciliation and and uh and that healing ointment that comes from um knowing who you are knowing knowing who you are and knowing your worth as a human being
3: yeah um do you know are the Pieces of art, are they going to be paintings or beadworks or carvings?
2: Uh, uh, We did get our shipment of of canvases and uh, and we've got a a easel set up here at the house. (laughs) So, um, you know, that part of it will probably be collaborations between Joseph and I if I if I get blessed with that and uh, and then uh, as far as why um, we we got another grant from the Alaska State Council on the Arts so we're sending her a check to get her supplies uh, down there in the states and and you know um, she'll make her choice as as far as what she wants to um, have shown in the in the exhibit.
3: Wow, that sounds like it's going to be quite the show. Um, we look
0: forward to it. Um, this is Paul Paul Torello again, uh, your host here, and uh, thanks, James. That was James Tempe with the uh, uh, the project manager at APU and artist. Uh, James, maybe I'll uh, ask you a question. How has um, Joe and Martha's worth influenced you as an artist? Wow, that's a that's a great question. And this is um, you know I
3: think that. It's so inspiring to see Joe and Martha um, kind of living, their their lives are kind of art. And just to see them in the studio creating, um, a lot of times pre-pandemic, they were there um, often in the afternoons and holding workshops and just a space for students to come and create. Um, and it was just, you know, for me, it was just a reminder to, Uh, continuously be open to creating. And it doesn't have to be a specific work. It can kind of, you know, just kind of go and flow. And I I really appreciate that about Joe and Martha. And um, actually, this past weekend, I started to do some carving. And so, um, yeah, I carved my first spoon. And so it was really exciting. And Joe is a a wonderful carver. And so just kind of taking, you know, maybe some influences from him and diving into a new media.
0: That's a great, thanks James. Uh, Joe, here's a question for you, um, or both of you maybe. Uh, What kind of art do you do? For those of you who aren't familiar, is it multimedia? What, what What are you interested in now mostly?
1: In line with um, continuing with uh, my answers to your question about how I began working in um, my artwork uh, in San Francisco, using uh, the idea of uh, current events as they were happening in Alaska I was keeping up with the progress of, uh, or the other way around, uh, the returns t- of uh, uh, Inupiaq art uh, in um, in the short lives that we have. Um, I noticed uh, in uh, artifacts that. Um, A lot of their, uh, my forefathers artwork uh, were done with originality and purpose, as far as um, making them into decorative artwork around uh, their hunting and fishing utensils. And I, um uh, continue that uh notion of uh using um wood as an example of my expressions in in my artwork that um uh y- you know that uh, the expression that um Many people have labeled me as a protest artist uh, in that um, a lot of my work seems to concentrate on the fellow uh, Inupiaq people that I am from, uh, from Wales and Nome, that, when I naturally uh, include those ideas in my work, I'm, I'm just saying to people that uh, a lot of the work that is in museums with the quality and ideas of uh, uh, freshness that comes with the endless, uh, Times of um, expression that are usually followed following a people uh, of any culture. Uh, I've seen this in um, the work artworks of um, Native Americans here and there, uh, in their uh, museum pieces that um, you, you know. We see that in uh, exhibits like the Antique Roadshow, that a lot of uh, Native American art will be shown in their collect, um, in people's collections or museums uh, and galleries that um, they will show the creativity that was once abundant along with subsistence, uh, a subsistence lifestyle that was happening back then. Um, And I tried to apply the knowledge of uh, how people, the the, the native cultures themselves Um, were showing a continuity of uh, their artwork, uh, and it shows um, that um, they um, uh, were using ideas from um, a long, long, long time ago, and that um, they continue that process Even with um, James Tempte's work, I see that that he will follow a um, Native American theme all the way from its uh, inception to its execution, and that uh, he will notice in the different colors that he uses that um, his Work is going to be creative one way or another.
2: If if someone was uh, to ask you the question, Joe, what kind of artist uh, do you think you are? Are you a contemporary <laughs> artist? Are you a protest artist? What would you What would you say?
1: Um, I like using old materials like uh, hardwoods. Um, For a long time, I was uh, beginning to tell people that I was uh, getting closer and closer to working in diamonds, uh, because that's uh, one of the hardest materials known to man as uh, art media. Um, But they only make it into trinkets, I noticed, that It's only used for um, beautifying the fingers, especially the married finger, marriage finger uh, of people. Um, So that idea of beautification uh, suddenly goes um, into a lifestyle um, of today. I I see that happening in other cultures as well. Um, There's early Mexican artwork that were being shown in museums uh, and galleries and collectors' uh, works um, that uh, showed the creativity that was happening thousands of years ago But then uh, somehow today, it has been disturbed that, that idea of going through different stages and different works and different medium uh, that people, artists or creative people of any sort will use in order to produce um the the artwork that they choose to produce
0: that's that's great joe we're about out of time and i think that's a great way to maybe wrap things up uh, a, a bit of wisdom from joe sanongatuck and joe i'm really happy that you and marth continued those traditions and uh, kept the art alive and past your Inspiration on the younger artists like James Tempted, who's with us also. So, thank you for doing that. So, that's about wraps up our show. Um, Martha and Joe, do you have any, any last thoughts?
2: Well, I just wanted to say that both of us uh, have had pretty unusual lives. And uh, in, in some regard, um, Joe going to the San Francisco uh, Bay Area and meeting uh, people there made him uh, more aware of the world, you know, the, the, the greater uh, existence of a world out there, but that, uh, that even the local area has a history that uh, a lot of people in Alaska are not aware of. And we just wanna encourage people that they can define their own history and define their own place in history, because uh, through art and through relationships we can uh, create a better world. No matter where we're from or how long we've been here in Alaska, it 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 shows uh, that we have respect and that we honor each other when we know the, the true history of the place and we know the true history of the people who have lived here for thousands of years. And we acknowledge that and we try to do our own research so that we can treat each other with respect and hopefully uh, have a better uh, state state of mind even.
0: And that is so important in these, uh, this day and age, more so than ever. Uh, thank you all very much. Thank you to Joe and Martha Samangatuck and James Tempe and Carly Tyance Hassel. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to my class, Joe and Martha Samangatuck, James Tempe and Carly Tyance Hassel. Thanks to our producer, Airport. This is your host, Paul Tordock, and from all the hosts at Outdoor Explorer, stop to listen and look around, and we'll see you outside.
3: Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, The Man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation,
1: go to our website at alaskapublic.org. Life informed. This is Alaska Public Media.